In an unassuming New York City park are the bizarre remains of fixtures rotting outside the context of their time. These are the remains of the 1964 World's Fair, offering a theme of peace through understanding and its many captivating exhibits. The 1964 World's Fair brought in guests from all over the world. Even now, it remains in history as one of the United States' most significant exhibitions of all time, filled with exciting displays such as the Sinclair Oils dinosaur sculptures, the Hall of Science, and even General Motors' Futurama 2. But what remains now? Well, there's a massive stainless steel globe called the Unisphere, which sits near a giant bronze statue called the Rocket Thrower, which captures the image of a man with his hand outreached as he launches a rocket into the sky. A series of space-age towers loom over the pavilion of pillars known as the Tent of Tomorrow. Empty but enduring even after almost six decades have passed. Today we discover the 1964 World's Fair, I'm your host, Ryan Sokesh, and you're watching It's History. Before we get started today, I have an exciting announcement. Thanks to our sponsor, Established Titles, I officially became a lord, and you can too. Let me explain. Established Titles is a fun and novel way to preserve the natural woodlands of Scotland while helping global reforestation efforts. This project is based on a historic Scottish custom where landowners are referred to as lords and ladies in English. Title packs give you at least one square foot of dedicated land with a unique plot number on a private estate in Edelston, Scotland and an official certificate with a crest. We plant a tree with every order and work with global charities One Tree Planted and Trees for the Future to support global reforestation efforts. You could officially include the title Lord or Lady on your credit card slash plane tickets slash dating profiles, etc. It makes a great last minute gift. So if you'd like to become a Lord as well, I've got a great deal for you. The first 200 people purchasing a title pack using my link will effectively be next to my plot within a few minutes of walking distance. Depending on how many of you want to become a lord or lady, we can build our own little It's History kingdom. This makes an amazing last minute gift. Established Titles is actually running a massive Black Friday sale right now. Plus, if you use the code It's History, you get an additional 10% off. Go to establishedtitles.com slash It's History to get your gifts now and help support the channel. To set the stage for this monumental event, let's first take a look at why and how the World's Fair first got their start. While some might think these exhibitions were all about entertainment, the World's Fair had much more to them than just a fun day out. We can split world exhibition history into three main areas, industrialization, cultural exchange, and national branding. The era of industrialization focused on showcasing the latest innovations in industry and manufacturing. The World's Fair later saw a shift towards sharing culture and cultural issues around the beginning of the 20th century, and it experienced another shift towards the end of the 20th century to countries using their exhibits to establish their national identities. Some later fairs even blended the three, spotlighting global topics and new technology. The start of World's Fair exhibitions can be traced back to the early regional agricultural fairs and festivals held by farmers and other producers to show and sell their goods to the public. These trends carried over into the artisans and mechanics industries, who began organizing fairs and festivals starting in the 17th century. 
Moving into the 19th century, and thanks to the great leaps of industrialism, entire festivals were held to celebrate feats accomplished by mechanics. The first World's Fair came about in 1851 as the Great Exhibition of the Works of Industry of All Nations, also called the Great Exhibition or the Crystal Palace Exhibition. It was held in London's Hyde Park and was the first international exhibition of manufactured products, setting a precedent for the international exhibitions to come. The exhibition hall was so breathtaking that it was called the Crystal Palace. Its masterfully built and designed sculptures made of cast iron and glass allowed natural light to flow in during the day to illuminate the displays. The Great Exhibition displayed many amazing things, from ornamental ironwork from the Colebrookdale Ironworks of England, to elaborate furniture from Austria, to porcelain from Germany. They even displayed the world's then largest diamond. In total, there were 100,000 exhibits housed there, more than half of which were from Britain or the British Empire. Thanks to the new railways built across the country, it became possible for many more people to visit London. The fair ran from May to October of 1851 and attracted six million people. It was an incredibly successful event that became a defining point of the 19th century, and its story survives today but not everyone was happy with the Industrial Revolution's progress. Let me explain. The Industrial Revolution also brought about significant bouts of public unrest. It caused many people to be displaced from their farms, and the first case of Industrial Depression happened in 1871. People were highly uncomfortable with the idea of common goods being made by machines instead of people. Organizers of later international exhibits thus aimed to remedy this. The 1893 Columbian Exhibition in Chicago was among the first to try an entirely different approach. Instead of simply showing the attendees the finished products, they would let them see how they were made from start to finish. Companies would set up small-scaled versions of their factories, called process exhibits, at various events. These process exhibits would not only reassure the public of the product's quality, but also let the company show off how complex and capable their machinery was. On April the 30th, 1939, the World's Fair opened in New York with much applause, and even speeches by President Franklin D. Roosevelt and the then governor of New York. The 1939 World's Fair was held at Flushing Meadow Park in Queens, and 63 nations took part. It boasted exhibits from the Trilon and Persisphere to fluorescent lighting, robotics, and even FM radio. The event was an incredible success and drew in many crowds until the start of World War II disrupted it. And just 25 years later, one of the most ambitious exhibitions yet would take place. The 1964 World's Fair ran over two years. Its first season was from April the 22nd to October the 18th, 1964. And the second was from April the 21st to October the 17th, 1965. Like its predecessor, it was held at Flushing Meadow. It featured 140 pavilions and represented 21 states and 36 foreign countries, as well as many American commercial companies. These commercial companies invested over a billion dollars in their pavilions. So now let's take a look at some of its most incredible and unorthodox exhibits. One of the most unusual and impressive exhibits was Disney's Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. It was centered around a life-sized audio animatronic of President Abraham Lincoln that recited parts of his speeches with its 250,000 combinations of movements 
with arms, legs, and mouth, the animatronic was so lifelike that many attendees believed an actor played him. The New York State Pavilion is by far one of the World Fair's most iconic structures, made up of three main parts. The Tent of Tomorrow, three observation towers, and the Theaterama. Its wide open space and two observatories gave attendees plenty of way to admire the exhibits and the park. And we can only imagine how lively and breathtaking that view must have been in its prime. Another popular attraction was the Vatican Pavilion, built by the architectural firm York Sawyer & Associates. It even included a famous sculpture by Michelangelo, loaned from the Vatican. Other key parts of the pavilion included early Christian sculptures from the catacombs, a replica of St. Peter's tomb, an exhibit of colored transparencies of the Sistine Chapel, Vatican coins, and even a statue of the Good Shepherd. It was housed near the Belgian village, a large-scale replica of a medieval Flemish town. The town was a remarkably faithful recreation with over 100 buildings and cobbled streets. It also included many of those who visited to Belgian waffles. The Johnson Pavilion was intended to be a, quote, totally unique pavilion by Herbert Frisk Johnson Jr. and with its towering white arches and giant gold UFO-like disc, they certainly succeeded in making it stand out. It contained a 500-seat theater which had showings of Francis Thompson's 18-minute color film to be alive, showcasing the daily lives of people worldwide. The 1964 World's Fair was also the site of the largest non-production tire scale model ever built. The US Royal Tires Ferris Wheel was shaped to look like a massive tire wheel, complete with the company's logo. Its gondolas carried over 2 million passengers up to admire a 360-degree view of the park and its attractions. And with that being said, we can't discuss the World's fair without mentioning progress land. The carousal of progress carried the audience in a revolving auditorium on an immersive journey through the history of electricity. This revolving auditorium design made it so that the audience could stay seated through the whole ride. This in turn kept it seamless during scene changes, as opposed to having the immersion broken by audiences having to walk between stages. Sadly, there were so many exhibits that it's impossible to include them all. Other honorable mentions include the Port Authority's heliport, which was the first building to open at the World's Fair site, and General Motors' incredible Futurama 2 exhibit, which took attendees on a trip to the year 2064. By now, you might be wondering what remains of these exhibits. Well, let's have a look. While it's true that many exhibits have either been removed or lost, others have remained right there in Flushing Meadow as relics of the World's Fair. If you were to walk through, you'll undoubtedly notice the 12-story Unisphere still standing proudly in its spot. The globe is so large that it's visible from just about anywhere in the park, alongside the fair's fountains. Many street markers sit halfway buried along curbs, such as the Avenue of Progress. The New York Pavilion still stands in place and was even part of a refurbishment plan, though its future and purpose still remain uncertain. As for exhibits that exist in other places, the U.S. Royal Tires Ferris Wheel sits in Allen Park, Michigan. Following the fair, Progressive Land was relocated to Disneyland in California, but later found a permanent home in 1975 at Walt Disney Resorts in Florida. It has been updated multiple times to keep it in operation. 
Though the days of the 1964 World's Fair are well behind us, there is still much we can admire and learn from its remnants. Though these are just a small taste of what the grand event had to offer, looking back at the past through our modern lens brings a sense of nostalgia and truly makes you wonder what it must have been like to see all of those buildings and attractions in their heyday. We'll leave it right there for today, guys. But uh, before you go, make sure you join the channel for more fascinating history. Send me your episode ideas on Instagram, and don't forget to check out our New York History playlist. Until next time, this is Ryan Sokash, signing off.